Welcome to EPMI Cast. I'm Alex Cadet, today's host. Today we'll be talking about sustainability and ESG reporting. ESG reporting is a trending topic for businesses across the, all industries and across the globe. To break down this topic, we invited Oracle Senior Solutions Engineer Catherine Price, who will also be joined by our CEO and co-founder Nihar Parikh and our Director of Sales, Fletcher Cox. During this discussion, we'll analyze the current state of ESG reporting. We'll understand why EPM is being leveraged for ESG reporting. We'll also share why Oracle is a good fit for your ESG solution. Please subscribe and rate EPMICast on your favorite streaming platforms. And let's get things kicked off. Hey, Catherine, how you doing? Doing great. Hi, Alex. Great to see you all today. Well, thank you for joining the show. I just want to get a little bit more, learn a little bit more about you. Could you talk about your, your background, uh, what you do for Oracle, things like that? Absolutely. So my name is Catherine Price. I'm the senior solution engineer with Oracle. And what that means is that I help with the pre-sales process of demos and support on the more technical side of things. And I focus on EPM, especially financial close, but lately a lot around sustainability. My background is before this, I did consulting. So I've implemented various EPM processes a number of times. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Today we want to talk about ESG because man, it's a, it's a, it seems like a, a, a pressing topic. Uh, a trending topic. I know that you've you've done a demo with us that I sat on in on. It was really like slick stuff. So I just wanted to get into that stuff. Uh, but before I do that, um, I want to introduce uh, Nihar and Fletcher. Nihar, hey, thanks, Alex, and hi, Catherine. Great to see you again. Great to see you. Uh, my name is Nihar, one of the co-founders here at EPMI, and glad to be part of EPMI Cast again. This is Fletcher Cox speaking, part of the sales team at EPMI. Uh, Catherine, great to see you again. Looking forward to uh, digging in deeper to ESG and what it means for our EPM customers. Absolutely. Catherine, just to kind of kick things off, what does ESG stand for? What does ESG mean? Why is it important? ESG stands for Environmental, Social, and Governance Reporting. You might also hear it called Sustainability Reporting. Those are closely related topics. And it's important because, you know, Investors and even folks that are financing uh, debt for organizations absolutely care about the ability to not just, you know, do what you do as your business, but also care for people, planet, and profit, right? So to do these things in a way that doesn't mortgage the future takes care of this earth that we live on. People, planet, and profit. I like that. So um, I guess let's start off with, you know, some of the basics on, you know, what the current state of reporting is like. Are, do most companies already have an ESG process in place or just a relatively new concept? Well, if you were to go to almost any company website, you would probably see in the investor section some sort of ESG reporting. It might be kind of a slick looking marketing document with, you know, here's our targets. We want to be net zero by this year, that sort of thing. But the process behind creating that could be in many different states. <laughs> and primarily, it's a challenge because it's, you might present a small set of numbers, 
but it took a large set of numbers and a huge amount of data collection in order to build out that report. So that's the challenge and that's the pain point. How do you pull all those different sources of data all together to build that report? Okay, that makes sense. So when we think about, let's say in the EPM world, financial reporting typically, there's a set, you know, EBITDA is calculated only a few specific ways, right? So we understand how to create financial statements. There's a pretty defined process on how to create a 10K or a 10Q. Um, you talked about, you know, this could vary from, from company to company on what their process is like for creating ESG reports. Can you talk about some examples on, you know, what type of reporting that includes? Are there any key performance indicators or specific metrics you're looking for for the various categories of environmental, social, and governance? Man, you know, it sounds like a simple question, but it's such a big question because right now, Europe's a little ahead of us on this. So many European companies are already doing and required to report various ESG metrics. And there's a standard that they're primarily using called GRI, the Global Reporting Initiative. But it's also a lot like the Wild West. There are many different frameworks. There's not just the GRI. There's SASB. There's a TCFD, numerous writer and ranker systems and questionnaires. And so, you know, which ones do you report against? How do you decide that? How do you keep them all straight? Where are they the same or different? A lot of challenges there. It's a bit wild west. Well, I read something recently that uh, President Joe Biden um, created an executive order back in January, I believe. Um, not to fact check me on that date, but uh, really kind of defining some of those rules and regulations for the U.S. Do you see that it's becoming an increasingly important topic here in the States, or is it still kind of the Wild West as well? Well, it's absolutely becoming an increasingly important topic. In fact, the SEC is currently reviewing and determining what their guidelines will be for requiring that ESG reporting in the future. So they're under discussion, likely to be released late this year. And those requirements begin to kick in for large accelerated SEC filers um, for the period of 2023 reporting in 2024. That's the challenge. Yeah, it definitely sounds like it's coming up soon. Um, you know, this is kind of similar, I guess, when Sarbanes-Oxley was, you know, the hot topic and all the reporting regulations have changed for that. So, if you think about it, too, it's um, it's got every bit of that same sort of, for all of these measures and metrics, it's the same sort of requirement that they need to be auditable and provide that assurance, right? So by the time this becomes the SEC requirement, how are you going to really prove out what you've reported? Can you do that today? Many companies aren't in a position to um, prove out the what's been reported today because they haven't had to meet that audit requirement just yet. Yeah, totally. And so we've talked a lot about what ESG is and why it's important. Um, but how do we how do we gather this data? So for let's focus on maybe the environment, for instance. We deal a lot with oil and gas companies, you know, all up and down the value chain from you know exploring and finding and producing oil to you know transporting it all the way to the consumption side and the retail side. Um, do you see that you know some companies are ahead? And this process are kind of setting the standard versus others. I've read a lot of things about Shell and Exxon. I wanted to get your thoughts there. Yeah. So what I would say is once you've determined which framework you're reporting against, you might find that you already have certain of those 
measures or metrics or the inputs for them back in your various systems. So in the case of emissions, like your scope one, two, and three emissions, that data might very well be in your SCM or equivalent supply chain inventory type apps. You're absolutely going to have to consider, you know, not just what you've um, used, you know, directly, but also what you've procured or what customers do with the product you sell them. So it depends on the nature of the data where it might be, but it could be in your SCM for emissions or the people related or social data. It could be in your HCM or, or you know, even a non-Oracle system that's around your people data for things like um, governance. Maybe it's in a system, maybe it's not. And that's the challenge, right? What do we already have and how do we gather what we don't have yet? Right, because these different ESG frameworks and kind of uh, call them like pollutant measures are going to differ industry by industry, whether you're producing a product, extracting oil, or even if you're kind of on professional services, right, where you're staffing right. people on different projects, right? The element of sustainability or social governance is all going to differ uh, depending on what you're producing. Yeah, I mean, I think the standards are similar, but the what's most relevant for you and your industry could vary. Right. You mentioned a second ago, uh, scope one, two and three emissions. Mm -hmm. uh, I know everyone on the call knows you know, deeply about these, but could you explain to the crowd uh, what the difference is between these uh, type of measurements? I'll, I'll try to do this at a high level. So scope one is emissions that are directly related to think of it as assets you own. So in the oil and gas example, if you were at a Refinery, it's what you're burning to do your refining process, what you put in your uh, cars and other transport in the process of running your business. Scope two is indirect. And the most common example of that would be where you're procuring, say, your electricity or steam to run your business. So it's coming from assets owned by others, but consumed within your business. And then scope three is the is the really further <laughs> indirect. It's all the uses of your product by your customers and all the items you've procured in order to run your business. It seems like scope one might be the easiest to capture, at least at first. Yeah, scope one's probably the easiest and the most direct. Scope two is a little harder and scope three is the toughest. And the fact of the matter is, most of the time, scope three is also the largest part of your admissions as well. So the toughest to measure and the largest bit. I'm also curious to go beyond just the environment, although it's definitely an important topic, you know, carbon capture, that sort of thing. But from a social perspective, you know, what are the types of data that we're talking about? Is it you know, gender? Is it race, religion? You know, um, there's a yeah. there's, you know, age, there's a whole sort of, you know, lots of different metrics and some, you know, I think, are probably already tracked just by nature of having certain demographic data stored in systems like you mentioned HRIS systems or HCM systems. Mm -hmm. um, and so, and how are we using that data to kind of judge equality or equity amongst the different um, demographic groups? Yeah, so you touched on some of the great categories of data, you know, gender, race, nationality, that sort of thing. Um, it commonly reporting against bench benchmarks for fairness and pay, things like that. Additional social data that's not maybe directly related to your HR process would be things like your health and safety measures, right? How many injuries or recordables might you have by site, by location, that sort of information, or even community involvement, you know? So yeah. 
You know, I, I know that a lot of companies, um, especially back to kind of the, the environmental example um, in the energy space are looking at, you know, ways to kind of divest and increase the amount of investment they're doing in social activity. For instance, Shell has announced, you know, um, over a billion dollars a year in environmentally um, conscious um, energy creation like solar and wind and, and, and things like that. Um, what do you think that um, that it's feasible for smaller companies to make these types of investments or in, in figuring out how to make those type of you know, changes in their business strategy? Or is this just a reporting measure where, you know, it's, it's going to be a requirement. We've got to do this. It's a regulations. Um, or are they actually using that information to change their business model? Well, I think more and more companies, even smaller companies, are going to be asked to provide that sort of information as a part of screening, right? So if you are looking to do some procurement and you're talking to various vendors and you need to track, and you're a big company and you need to track your scope three, well, guess what you're going to be asking those vendors in order to determine what your scope three costs are. But what I would say generally is, even if the standard's not clear yet, Every single one of us, just like we would do individually at home, and so even a small business can start with where they are and use what they have to do what they can to make an improvement. Maybe a grander scale and a bigger place, but we can all change a little bit more over time to help collectively make that difference. In the past six months, the issue has gained a lot of momentum from like a you know an Oracle product. Uh, strategy perspective, but also like a consumer response. So would you say that um, kind of the advent, let's call it of ESG is more driven by a response to shifting consumer demands, right? Like the younger generations, let's just say, are more socially conscious in how they interact with corporations, or is it more of a response to these SEC requirements? You know, I think it varies. We have different conversations with different customers. Some of the conversations come about absolutely because of the upcoming SEC requirements. That is absolutely a driver. But the fact that individuals and and sometimes younger generations absolutely care about the brands and organizations they're associated with and that that influences their decisions of where to work and and where to direct their own contributions makes a difference as well. And as a potential hire, right, at an organization, you know, a big priority now uh, for people considering a new job would be the sustainability overall, um, I guess, ethics of an organization. So both on, you know, purchasing a product or service, but also working at an organization is kind of twofold. Absolutely. You know, there's representation or there's, yeah, reputational risk to not, um, to not making moves in a positive direction for ESG or sustainability. Absolutely. And it can, it can cost, you know, it can raise your cost of capital. It can inhibit your ability to land particular bits of business, you know, because those procuring from you care how you, how you are on an ESG scale as well. Right. So, right. So ESG is not great areas, great, both for transparency in terms of presenting your uh, you know, environmental information, but also can be a bit self-interested, right. To create this kind of cleaner, sustainable brand moving forward. Right. You know, one of the things that, you know, we all are here to talk about and really want to know is, you know, how do we make this real and what can, you know, the tools that we already have or tools in the Oracle Cloud Suite do to help us with our ESG process? Um, can you talk a little bit about what tools, within, specifically the EPM portfolio, since that's what we all kind of focus on, um, help with building out ESG reporting and how they're used? Sure. Yeah. So, so let's just take a few simple examples. 
there's a whole process to ESG reporting around the data collection and everything else. And, and what comes with EPM is, of course, uh, data management or data integration to help manage all that data collection. So where you have data that already resides in a source system like uh, an HR, HCM system or an ERP or supply chain, that sort of thing, that can help bring the data into EPM. EPM, you know, planning, what we're typically seeing is using something like a custom developed planning application structured around the frameworks that you need to report against. So it might be GRI, might be SASB as you need um, to collect and, and manage those various uh, reporting figures, benchmarks for industry peers, that sort of thing, and collectively bring all that together into a really nice uh, customer investor facing narrative report and or a file extract to help eventually submit your your SEC reporting. You could also think about using task manager with an EPM to organize your way and methods and approach to collecting all that data and the various steps that you would do periodically. That's a really good point because I know about the EPM task manager can link back into the planning application framework. So you can actually set up all your tasks for collection of ESG, do that ESG collection with either data input forms in the planning application or data loads through data management. Absolutely. And then report through those dashboards and reports that we all know and love today. Exactly. You got it. And why would y'all say that Oracle EPM is a good fit then for ESG reporting? So let me call out the absolute advantages here. If you think about what you use EPM for in most cases, it's financial reporting. And what do you have to care about on the financial reporting? You have to care about the audit trail and traceability and auditability of those numbers. Where did they come from? Who changed what when? That absolutely applies to this non-financial data as well. You have to manage that data collection process and, and EPM is particularly suited to help automate that where it's possible and bridge the gaps where you have to fill in what isn't already available. And in many cases, organizations are looking at, in order to do this reporting, what do, what do I have and what do I need? And, and they're starting from the data collection and they're going to the, the reporting, but overlooking a huge differentiator that EPM offers. And that's the ability to plan your initiatives, to use that predictive planning and see, hey, are we on track to hit our target or not for this metric, for this KPI? Or do we need to create some more initiatives to help achieve those goals that we've published? So manage the pain of data collection, create the slick report, and absolutely don't just repackage your data, but do it in a way that can provide assurance for when it comes time for those numbers to be tested. And not only look back, but look forward. Yeah, look into the future and how can we move the needle and do better environmental, social, and governance performance into the future. That's a really good point. So if I were a customer looking at, you know, embarking on this ESG journey, what's a good place for me to start? Is there any literature or website or demonstration I can see online? So there's absolutely a sustainability page from Oracle. I'll provide the URL to you, Nihar, so you can share it with this podcast that gives some basic information around approaching the ESG reporting process. And, you know, look look to your peers too. Look at what's already out there and being published because it's, it's likely what you would also publish yourself similarly. 
because there's definitely going to be comparative considerations or benchmarking across those within an industry. Okay, great. And I'm sure, Fletcher, if, uh, if customers are looking for some advice, they can call EPMI and figure out how to get that started. Yeah. Call yeah. EPMI or call your Oracle ASM. We would be happy to help if you're interested in seeing what's possible. Uh, we can have conversation around it. So, so then once we have a basic, you know, kind of understanding of reporting, then I've implemented my reporting, it's automated, you know, I've got all the inputs correct and I've got good reports. How can I take advantage of improving my ESG score now that I have the data and we're, we've got an F minus because we get <laughs> traveling way too much and seeing too many customers and burning way too much fuel in the air. Um, and we want to reduce that, right? We want to maybe take some more advantage of some Zoom calls, improve our ESG ratings. How do we start planning and forecasting for that? Can we do that in the same tool? You can do the planning and forecasting in the same tool and use the history of your data to help predict through some pattern recognition into the future what your likely future uh, results would be on various measures, whether they relate to emissions or waste or use of water, all those sorts of things. Um, typically, organizations are going to start by setting a set of targets. Here's what we publicly commit to delivering. And then they're going to report against those targets. So pick the ones that are most meaningful for you. And those are the ones that you're going to want to work to identify the methods to improve. So we shouldn't let perfect be the enemy of good, right? Yeah, don't let perfect be the enemy of good. Use what you have, do what you can, start from where you are and, and aim for that target that you've published. Well, this is great, Catherine. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, I feel like I learned a lot and I'd like to really go into some, some really in-depth um, examples maybe next time on customers that you've seen and maybe we'll have some more customer journeys to talk about ourselves at that point where we can talk about how this has been real for customers and, and what they're seeing the benefits of ESGR for uh, themselves and for the industry. Absolutely. I look forward to it. We'll meet up again in the future. All right. Well, it's great seeing you and we'll talk again soon. Thanks so much.